some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, a very special exposed edition of the show this week. We'll tell you more about that. But of course, we are here not only on the week of Roxanne's birthday. But, uh, I was going to say, today is my birthday, today is my birthday, but not quite. We're a few days past, technically, by the time <laughs> people get a chance to hear this episode. Uh, but we'll tell you what's coming up. We do want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. We could not do this show. I had a chance to talk to Turin earlier this week, and he was like, I look forward to Fridays. He goes, I'm glad to be a part of this show because I'm also a fan. So when you call him, all you have to do is say Roxanne and Ace, and you know you're going to get whatever special deals he has managed to find to get you in that dream house. He is such a sweetheart. Birmingham Mortgage Group 205-259-1656. Behammortgage.com because everybody goes on the web and does their research first. We know this guy. We love him. Mm -hmm. He loves the Lord. He's going to take great care of you. He got us both into our houses. Mine was almost an impossible situation so he can work with you to get you to where you're going to be. Very happy. So we highly recommend Turin. Yeah, so make sure you get, check him out again, behammortgage.com, now able to help you in Alabama and the state of Florida. So uh, don't uh, sit back and uh, tell your friends. As uh, we head into this week's episode of Unlimited, we are officially exposed and vulnerable in all kinds of ways, which this was a concept idea that you had. So I'll let you explain what people can look forward to. Well, my dear friend, Liz, I mean, her clock is set Friday morning and it's podcast time. Mm. And I so appreciate that. And she said, you know what you haven't done with Ace is really get into the deep on who you are. You have new listeners all around the world and new viewers, and they don't know anything about you. And I don't know everything about you. So wouldn't it be fun if your best friend and Ace's best friend didn't tell you what the questions were first, yep, <laughs> sprung it on you, and we could ask anything we want. And I said, okay, I'll ask Ace if that's all right. And I'm I'm super excited about it. Yeah, and I think for anybody who's new to the show or you've been a fan a while, you've realized this show is about being an open book. We want to live life with you. We want you to know us. We want to know you as best we can. So again, thanks for liking, subscribing, and following as we head into our first interview with Roxanne and Liz. Oh, what a beautiful moment. We've been waiting for this moment. I'm so excited to have Liz Spiller-Wood my my bestest buddy, sweetheart with me, who came up with this great idea, at least I hope it's great because, you know, I think who really wants to know all this stuff about me? But you came up with this fabulous idea that Ace and I need to share more. What's that all about, my sweet friend? Lisa, <laughs> you've had so many listeners. Y'all had such a great um, show on the radio. And so many people just want to know more about you and Ace. And I thought, you know, I have questions about you just being your friend. And I get the Aww. privilege of being your friend and learning more about you. But there's others that I know have questions that they would like to ask you. So I thought, why not be interviewed? So this is really exciting. And I am honored that you would be willing or interested. And so I'm ready. Let me have it, girl. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. So let's go to your more recent things. Can you tell me what this is? A type of succulent that is rather large that Good. takes very little water. Good. <laughs> What's this one to the right? Uh, a palm tree from New Mexico. <laughs> hey, what's this one? A very large elephant ear. Oh, close. Banana plant. And what's that right here? <laughs> And that is a mystery vine. It's called a sort. man from Home Depot. That's great. <laughs> so 
you know, in our mission. I have a lot to learn. You are the person who's no. been teaching me how to garden and all about plants. And I still have a lot to learn. You would be saddened by the look of what's in my yard right now. But nope. I'm a work in progress. Nope. <laughs> um, and I have all these questions and things that I have. And of course, it's just going to fall away. But um, I'm going to go anyway. And... I'm just going to jump into it. Okay. Awesome. So to, to get to know you <laughs> as a child, what were you like? I mean, how did you know you? So as it, as believers <laughs> and I, I mean, you're, you're here where you are. You've shared many times on the radio that you weren't a Christian until later mm-hmm. in life. So, um, a lot of us feel, I guess that we're uh, upon our calling. I'm curious as how you were as a child in high school, in school, and when you knew you wanted to be in this field? Well, I was a very quiet, thin bookworm that didn't have many friends. And I had a really odd haircut. And I was the last person to be chosen for any team because I wasn't athletic. And I did a cartwheel once and had to be carried off in an ambulance. (laughs) Which which does not mean, yeah. You're the cheerleader, not me. I didn't get any of those skills, still don't have them. And so, yeah, childhood, I was kind of a little lonely. And even early in high school, my mom would drop me off and say, don't you have any friends? But but then Zary Letty came into my life. I used to stare at this football player as a junior And I loved Zary Letty. And as we were in typing class, I was not paying any attention. I was just looking at Zary. And we left class one day and he said, I want you to go to prom with me. I said, that's not funny. That's not funny. I don't appreciate it. Just bully somebody else. And he said, no, I would really be honored if you would go to prom. And he was a perfect gentleman and it changed my life. He was really popular and I wasn't. And we had the most wonderful time. And then, you know, I I got invited on a few dates. So (laughs) do you remember what you wore? Uh, Oh, do you remember? Because I'm sorry, you do have a pretty (laughs) extravagant wardrobe. At that time, what did you wear? It had a collar much like this, white, lacy, very conservative. Um, I'm not at all what I was. The fact that I'm doing this is so bizarre because I was really very, very quiet and uh, then got into acting and loved it and wanted to do to be an actress, but realized I would have to go to probably New York City and starve. And uh, I just didn't want to do that. I thought, what job could I do where I'm performing but get a regular paycheck and I'm doing something new every day and something interesting? I love people. And so I thought, I'll do some sort of media. And so I did a little bit of television in in Indiana and thought, you know, anchoring, I'm a little bored. I think I was meant to be a reporter. And so when I was... When did you know? When did you know? Sorry. um, I I did an internship in Chicago when I was there on a full fellowship at St. Xavier. It's now university. Back then it was a college. And here I am being taught by nuns as an atheist, which is a really interesting. And they love me, by the way, because I would say that's ridiculous. And they (laughs) loved me. That's embarrassing. But I was sent on an internship to do radio because TV was all full. And I was like, oh, radio, I don't want to do radio. But you know what? They sent me on a story. There had been murders on the Chicago transit uh, going into the gang section of Chicago. And there were murders there. And they had these guardian angels with the red berets. I don't know if you remember them, but they... They were sort of like a militia, but unarmed. Mm -hmm. So I go into gangland Chicago, wasn't supposed to, I was supposed to just show up at the bus stop, interview people and come back. But I said, the story is on the bus. So this Puerto Rican that does not speak any English, had a dog collar on, gets with this 19 year old from Floyd's Knobs, Indiana, who talks like this. I had a little recorder with me. I'm going to be a reporter now. We get on the Chicago transit bus. And I've got my guard with me 
and it gets really serious and really scary. And then there's a guy on the bus, Liz, really, this, you can't make this stuff up. He pulls a knife and starts threatening people. And I'm a reporter for WBBM, which is the biggest, one of the biggest news radio stations in the world. And I'm their little intern, I'm shaking, but I managed to push play and record and hold my little mic up. And this guy's causing a scene. The bus stops, they're screaming. He's in a ski cap and it's hot outside. So you know something's wrong with him. And I get it all on tape. I'm too afraid to talk to anybody about anything, but I get it all on tape. But I'm very late to get back to the station. There's the point to this long story. And the manager says to me, who do you think you are? You put our radio station in jeopardy. That was not your assignment. Uh, And my lip starts going like, oh, no. And he said, I like you. You are a go-getter. Both of my stations are fighting over your audio from the bus. He said, I want you to do a 30-minute documentary on air on one of the biggest radio stations. I'm 19. He said, and you're going to produce it and voice it yourself. (laughs) Bam. I was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Forget TV. I'm in love with radio. And so I did a show on night shifts. They buried it at six o'clock in the morning, but it's on. And I'm like, hi, Lisa Christensen. Welcome to Night Shifts. <laughs> you had some growing to do from that, but what, oh. what an experience. Yeah, that, that was, was incredible. Game, that was your game changer. And that's yeah. what, and so, wow, how awesome is that? Um, for the listening audience and other people, if you have pictures of that, it would be great if you could find those and maybe post them to that and say, <laughs> hey, picture of what, who I was and what I looked like. Because I think just for <laughs> me, as I envision you doing that, I can see you, what I think I would imagine you looking like. Yeah. And I had that big 80s. I remember, I've seen, seen some pictures. Hair okay. up here going so, on. Sorry to fast forward, but I want to keep getting yeah. to some of the things. But so you knew after that experience, that's where yeah. you wanted to be. And that was good for you. And yeah. regardless of it being, um, uh, because I, I believe you still weren't a Christian at the time. So for that purpose, it was just, that's what you love doing. And it was a desire of your heart. Mm-hmm. But then as people get to know you and evolve and have heard, some of your story, if they don't hear more, hopefully maybe we have to do part two, but you know, <laughs> just knowing how much this has evolved even more into God's calling for your life and how much you have been impacting people all over the world, really, not just uh-huh. the United States. Um, and to see how God has used that in that progression in your life is really cool as a friend. But I think even still for me and other listeners and people don't know everything. So um, with that said, let's move on to another era where you went from Chicago. I believe you went from there to Austin. And I've se- I've had the benefit to see your wall of fame. <laughs> we call it wall of shame if you're not a country music lover. <laughs> it's not just country, but you've had some really cool experiences along the way. Um, it's it's been remarkable memorable and maybe even just for the listeners and people that are um give them just a rundown of who's on that wall and maybe and and really who really stood out to you and why whether you love or hate bill clinton he was still president of the united states when he paid a good bit of attention to me in the roosevelt room of the white house and we had a delightful conversation about running and life and i thought this man makes you feel like the most important person in the world. He is so charismatic. Uh, You know, moments like that, I got to travel in George W. Bush's motorcade. I was right at the end of Air Force One when he stepped off and then followed him to the next gathering. Uh, My very first president I got to cover as a cub reporter in Rockford, Illinois, was Ronald Reagan. And it was remarkable to be about 12 feet away from Ronald Reagan rosy face, barrel chested. And that's when the presidency, there was a real reverence for the presidency, a real respect. Mm-hmm. You could have heard a pin drop and it, it, there was a hush in the room. 
And the respect for him is something I've never quite experienced in all the presidents I've covered since. So that was fun. But I've had, you know, Reba McIntyre, when she was pregnant with her son, I got to meet her. Where are you from? I said, Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. She said, Floyd's Knobs. I'm remembering that. She just was so adorable. And, oh, so sweet. And then John Travolta, you know, uh, just being able to, he is so down to earth and loving and kind and being able to talk to him. And, and he was here shooting a movie here in Birmingham. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I've just had, you know, incredible experiences getting to interview Tim Keller, the famous pastor out of New York city redeemer several times was such an honor. And, you know, Jimmy Carter, I got to interview him several times, you know, and when you're waiting for your interview, it's like uh, the president's on hold. (laughs) There's a part of you that's like, okay, the president's on hold. And so it's been a, a really great journey, fun to get to meet some celebrities, you know, Chris Tomlin right here, you know, Donny Osmond, I get to sing with Donny Osmond. Uh, So it's been fun, Liz. Okay. Question. (laughs) So question, when you hear they're here in the area in Birmingham, do you not want to just go and say, hey, do you remember me? I met you. <laughs> um, do you remember? I was that before. <laughs> I would so be the, like that, what, what do they call them? Cleat chaser for, for football people, but yeah. like celebrity chasers. But you know, <laughs> when you've had that, we know each other, remember? <laughs> well, I, you know, I still have a bucket list of people I want to meet. Uh, Tim Tebow, everybody, Tim Tebow. I've been promised a Tim Tebow meeting. Uh, I still want that to happen. I admire his work for human yeah, trafficking sure. so, so much. And so, but, but part of the joy of, of being in the media is the, the incredible people that you get to meet and, you know, the exposure with your career. I got to be on Fox News Network with Greta Van Susteren, if you remember when she was on. I got to be on with her several times, and there's nothing like them telling you, um, you know, don't be nervous, but there are 44 million viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't be nervous. No, no, okay, cool. Yeah, and you're not in the same room with her, so you're like, what if I can't hear what if I sneeze? What if I get something in my eye? You know, um, but she was lovely and it went fine. Uh, but wow, it's it's been a great ride. I've really so, so I'm I'm trying I'm keeping it trying to keep it going even that because <laughs> I know there's so many questions. But taking it from that, so you've had this wall of fame. You, I mean, I know in Austin you met like Garth Brooks. You've got yeah you've your time to meet people, and regardless of that. Um, it still has l- continued to lead you from what I can see into other missions and projects. So to take that from that to special ops, oh. did, um, I know that's been one of your ministries, but how did journalism and how did this bring you to, um, this type of ministry? Well, you know, I got radically saved. The Lord spoke to me through my little girl. And, uh, and I fell madly in love with it. Don't want to interrupt. Can we define (laughs) radically saved? Is this like you're asleep and you got. Yeah. Like, um, like. Let's talk about what radically saved means. Like I had to start all over. Like my thoughts, my friends, my priorities were completely out of whack my whole life, really. And when I realized what the Bible was all about, what, that God loved me, number one, that I got to go to heaven, uh, Number two, sins are forgiven. Um, I really, I had my Bible everywhere with me at work, at lunch, asking everyone, you know, what does this mean? Because I'm an adult that has no idea what, I mean, I remember asking a coworker, what is a Gentile? (laughs) You know, things you would learn in Sunday school, but I just didn't know. And, uh, and so I just fell in love with the Lord and then that came out of my work. So I started sneaking pastors on my weekend show. (laughs) I started sneaking God into on-air conversations and, uh, just had a, had a ball, just had a ball and still do never thought I would be on Christian radio, which is where I ended up, uh, ultimately, but yeah, out of that, uh, desire to serve God turned into a ministry that started out being about rescuing women from sex trafficking. 
but we ran into so many addicted and homeless men that we added men, a dimension to our ministry that's been going about 14 years. And it's one of the biggest joys of my life. I I love the Lord dearly. I, I love the people that we meet that know him and don't know him. And I love the opportunity to share the gospel. That's really what I want my life to be about. And maybe again, even if there's on this podcast, a place to even put a link or something for people to contribute or get more information about it. I think that would be great because I know it's um, dear to your heart, but I also know that God uses our avenues of all of our journeys and all of our work to share who he is and how cool it is for me as a friend to know you now, but also as someone who's listened to you over the years to see how God has taken you and progressed your the calling on your life, even as a non-believer and to to impact others. And um, for all of us to remember that, Hey, our, our professions and what we do and wherever we are right now is an opportunity for God to use it and and just wait and see how he uses it. Right. Well, you you do. And in, you know, for those of you that don't know, Liz teaches sign language at Sanford University, which is very prestigious. And the military uh, (laughs) trucking industry uses her. And that's tough stuff. And she is a trooper and a great teacher. The best mom I know, um, just an amazing woman of God. So for you to be so kind and encouraging to me, I really do appreciate that. Okay. I love you, but this isn't about me. We can do <laughs> we can do part B, C, and D. I'll get back to you because this is what. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's a treasure and it's a gift to Aww. share this time with you. Um, so you mentioned it was your daughter that brought you to the Lord. So let's go to parenting and let's tell me about how has that been being a mother and um. As a parent, I know the struggles I go through and I know it's not easy and there's different seasons and transitions. (laughs) And I can only imagine being a parent through your career, through um, life transitions and changes. How and which will lead (laughs) me to my next question. But that poor thing as a news director, you know, News happens in the middle of the night. You know, Princess Diana died 11 o'clock Saturday night. They got Saddam Hussein out of the hole at 630 on a Sunday morning. And when you're on call, uh, finding child care can be a really interesting challenge. And so the poor thing went to the Richard Scrushy tribe. <laughs> the poor thing is covered it's tornadoes. You told me you took her to some stuff. I didn't know it was that one. Yeah, it was that one. <laughs> Uh, and I, I had some real mommy guilt over things like that. Like when you're on the air in the morning, you miss getting your child ready to go to school. Now her dad did a really good job, but was it mommy standard? Some of the things she was wearing when I picked her up, but you know what? I was blessed to have someone that could get her to school because I was on the air, but that meant I missed some important firsts. And I wasn't the one on field trips because if you're on the field trip, you're not on the air. And so I had some mommy guilt. But the beautiful thing about my daughter, Hannah, is she says, Mom, you you killed it. You you were a great mom and you figured out how to have a really strong career. And I admire it. And she really wants to to work and be a great career woman and is doing that. And, you know, so all that guilt didn't serve a purpose at all because she says it's just made her stronger and maybe she's trying to be sweet to me, but. Well, and I think (laughs) in the few times and the pleasures I've gotten to spend with her, um, you do, you set that precedence and um, she, she looks up to that and you've set an example and I get the mommy guilt. I think there's not a mother anywhere that doesn't experience that at some point, whether it's, oh my gosh, I burned the peas or I didn't make that. <laughs> right. You know, but we're all going to experience that, but that's going to lead me to my next question between that and parenting and just different challenges in life. One thing that I know about you and one thing that I've seen that I've always wondered is how in the world do you do understanding it? And in all ways acknowledge him. He will make your past straight. I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, my life first. It's true. Remember God's faithfulness in every storm. 
Remember how he answers prayers. Remember that you are royalty. Scripture says you're his priesthood. You were made in his image. And when you understand how incredibly loved you are, that love turns into overflow. Okay. And I love you, but I'm going to jump in because I'm giving you the hard ones. Okay. <laughs> so when you trust in the Lord, how do you trust in him? What is it every day that you do to remind yourself to trust him? Talk to him. Okay. Uh, Prayer. Talk to him, pray, lean, lean on him. Ask, it you know, prayer, they say, don't prayer, ask. Why. Let's talk about this garden right here. <laughs> Remember, you know, we talked yeah. about, you know, every morning, you know, we would go out, you know, so I think people need tangible things that they can hold on to. And you're one of those that I want to emulate. So it? Is it going out to your garden? Talking and to him every day doesn't necessarily mean, what just you got to sit in a solemn place and pray? <laughs> no, what does uh, it look like for you? Just talk to him throughout the day, like he's your best friend because he is. And I really want to be a conduit for his purpose. I want my life to matter. I don't want to be in a comfortable numbness. I want to be learning and growing constantly. I want to be better than I was three months ago and better than I was three years ago. And you and I both have a love for Matthew Kelly, the Catholic author who's written some wonderful books. One of his books is called Rhythm of Life. And it changed me because he talked about having more balance spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And some of us have a high power career, but our relationships need work. Some of us are great in relationships, but wow, we really hate our job. And there's an imbalance. And I don't think you can ever have a perfect balance. But for me, I physically wasn't very well. And so one of my goals was to bring that level of myself into a more positive space. And so now, you know, I love working out, which is the most bizarre thing ever. But I love it. You know and what? Your next phase is you're going to be a fitness instructor. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. I, I, and I don't want to cut you off, but I want listeners to hear if you, okay, so we've got that, but talk to me about when things are hard or illness. I mean, so we've got the prayer, we've got to stay connected. We've got your life verses and these different verses that we've talked about, but what are some tangibles that we can take away from what you do every day to be our best self? You've talked to me about doing something for yourself, which a lot of yes. people, you know, a lot of Christians will say, oh, self-care, that's selfishness. But what I've learned is to do things that bring you joy, fill that empty space. When you take care of you, then things are in overflow. A lot of us that serve a lot get pretty exhausted. We say, yes, 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 until we're burned out. What I've learned is I need to be the healthiest I can to be the best servant of our king, the best friend that I could be, the best wife that I could be. And and I'll tell you what, there's nothing like having a good marriage. Um, oh, good Lord, speak to that, please. How are we supposed to do? Come on, talk to us. I, I am I am deliriously in love. I tell people that Wayne is like an angel walking. I mean, and, and they look at me like, okay, lady, but he's that good. Um he just does not get angry. He's, he has integrity. He, he's fun. He's smart. I think I told the Lord, listen, I don't care if he's cute, God. I just need him to love you and be good with money and not lie to me. And, and, and God thought it would be hilarious to give me cute too. And so I really feel like every day, when I get to see this marvelous, godly leader that so many people respect that I get to be married to, that's a great start to every day, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I think gratefulness makes a big difference because sometimes we get bogged down in, in the future. I want this to be happy. I want that to be happy. When really as somebody whose husband went through two cancers and lived through it, with me, who got an autoimmune disease and got very bald very quickly. You know, I'm so grateful for wigs. I'm so grateful for the fact that my husband's still here and we haven't had to put those plots that we bought to work. You know, I mean, every day we get to breathe and serve him is a gift and a joy. 
And I just feel lucky to be alive. I feel like the most blessed person on the planet. It's it's a little nauseating, to be honest, that I'm I'm so happy sometimes my face hurts because I've been smiling so much. I mean, I get to have you in my life. You've changed my life. And, uh, you know, I have a true, honest, loving friend that has my back. I mean, life is grand. Right now, because we have less than a minute. And um, (laughs) thank you for sharing who you are in a deeper way. You have so much to share and so much that we want to emulate. Oh, Liz is so adorable. I'm so thankful. You know, it was pretty fun, Ace, to be, as you say exposed yeah i kind of enjoyed it well and i i gotta say i I, at first i was like what stories is she going to tell that i haven't heard yet but i was actually kind of (laughs) excited that i've heard most of them so that's good but uh, if there is a two or a three as liz is hoping for we'll let you know uh but now it's my turn uh my wife tawny she was (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen her jump like she's gotten auditions for shows and opportunities to do things in her life doing this interview with me was yes. Like I didn't even get the question out of my mouth and she was on it. So I don't know any of the questions that she asked prior and you know, it, it is a little telling, but you know, again, we talk about being an open book. Uh, the best way to be with a book is of course, with my brother's <laughs> cup, you get your coffee as you get set for this part of the interview. And, uh, it's also, you know, for such a great cause. Yeah, that's what we need to do is pour us a cup of this wonderful coffee and then watch the interview. See Ace Exposed and Tawny doing that. I think it's kind of fun. Well, it's definitely fun. This is a wonderful coffee. I got to choose it and the flavors are tremendous. It's perfect for this season because it makes a wonderful gift for you or for somebody else. Log on to mybrotherscup.com, choose the Roxanne blend. That'll make me so happy, happy. Mm -hmm. It's very affordable. There are beautiful coffee cups that go with it. And what it does is it proclaims the gospel of Jesus all around the world. And it's marvelous. Check it out. You can also find out more at roxanneandace.com as we head into the second part of our exposed and unlimited this week with my wife tawny all right as promised as you get the exposed version of roxanne and i this week i am trusting in my wife who is my person my one true love that i know provides me sanctuary gives me all the hugs and kisses so that when i do sometimes feel bad about myself she picks me up so i introduce my wife tawny stevens hey babe hey how are you? I am good. I, I I do want to reiterate, I do not know the questions that you are going to ask me, nor am I editing anything out of this interview. So it is as it is. So all the ingredients are cut and ready to go. Okay. Well, I like that because I feel like this is a chance for your listeners to kind of get the peek behind the curtain, you know, kind of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, and I love that because I happen to love the man behind the curtain. So I would like to give them a little glimpse. All right. This is your chance uh, so to pull we'll start it out of easy. me. Yes. Okay. We'll start easy and then we'll go deep. Uh, so the, the first question then would be, is your real name actually Ace McKay? Uh, no, because my mother loves me. Um, <laughs> I so when I was in secular radio, I used to go by the name Billy Blades. And so being on an oldies format or being in secular radio, it like it fit. Right. And plus, I was blessed enough to work at an oldie station with my godfather, the Birdman. And he had a voice that sounded like this. And, you know, he had this legendary name. And so I, I wanted an air name. So he gave me Billy Blades. So I was very much married to that for about six years. So when I got into Christian radio, it wasn't as cool to have a name like Billy Blades on Christian radio. (laughs) So my program director, Matt Austin at Way FM, he's like, hey, you can come up with anything else. You can be Billy something else. So the short answer is Billy is my actual name, just like Roxanne is Lisa, which everybody seems to know. Um, but when I needed to come up with something, I thought, okay, what are what is what is something from my childhood, like a name that stuck out? So as a KISS fan, the Ace Freely, like I always thought Ace, like it was short, simple. You say Ace, you know, it it can mean a lot of different things. Um, 
intellectually, spiritually, whatever. So that there was that. But then I used to watch, and I think I was the only one that watched it because the show was canceled after one season. But BJ and the Bear, uh, they had BJ McKay. He was a truck driver that drove around, you know, all the different stops with a chimpanzee in the bed of the truck with him. So I can see why the show was not successful, but somehow I gravitated to it. And, you know, BJ McKay and his best friend, Bear, like that was, that's what it was. So Ace McKay came from that. And now even mom calls me Ace. Yeah. I mean, that's what I call you. That's not, you know, that's, I think it's more of a nickname even than a radio name at this point. Sure. This is what you, what you are. All right. Okay. So, um, knowing that you're a music person, what is your favorite band and or singer? Oh my. Okay. So it's hard to narrow down, but people know because, you know, my daughters are named Lennon and McCartney Beatles are all time, you know, top of the list for me. If I was on a deserted Island and could only have one album, it would be Abby or uh, rubber soul. Beatles Rubber Soul, because start to finish, it's just, it's them just outside of the bubblegum, poppy, you know, I want to hold your hand. It's out of that stuff, but it's not quite experimental and druggy yet. So <laughs> Rubber rubber Soul is there. I would definitely want Led Zeppelin 4. You know, again, I, I love Led Zeppelin. This, you know, it's kind of hard some days. I, I go back and forth between which is which. But as far as singers go, and I can't, you know, present company not included. For those who don't know, you are a very amazing, talented singer and you know actress. All those things. But this is this interview is about me, so let me turn that back over. <laughs> so uh, right now, there's an artist that I tell people about emphatically, and I think you fell in love with her because of us and because of me. Uh, but Grace Potter. Like her voice and her songs, like they just like I feel every lyric and with every, you know, low note to screel to, you know, rock and anthem like she can play, she can sing, she's sexy, like it's all the things. Right. But she's just got that uber talent that, you know, there's not a song that she's done that I'm like, nah, I don't want to hear that. So she she would top the list for sure. Like So so Beatles and Grace Potter. So a little old, a little new. Yes. You're very well-rounded. Just like me, a little old, little new. <laughs> okay, so how about what is one of your favorite memories growing up? Oh, wow. Uh, so like kid kid or like teen kid? Surprise me. Okay. Um. Okay, so this is a story. It actually circulated back in my brain the other day because this is, again, back to the music thing. When I was a kid, and and this is just to show you how amazing my mom was or is, um, when my brother turned 10, this was in the 80s, Walkmans were a new thing, right? It was not even a cassette Walkman. It was just a radio Walkman. And I was, you know, pretty much from like age six on, I was just glued to the radio. Like I always had, you know, headphones and, you know, had my cassettes and was listening to vinyl records, like all that. But there was something about the radio and being able to record songs off the radio and then go back and listen whenever I wanted, you know, pre iPod days, kids. Um, but when he got that Walkman, like my brother's two years older than me, Eric's two years older. And I never am our brother. Like we always got along. I was never jealous of him. I don't, think he was jealous of me. I'll have to ask him at Thanksgiving. Uh, but it was that day when he got that Walkman, like something just ate in me. And, you know, my mom, she's like, she's like, why are you in such a bad mood? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I just remember like, just kind of getting in this little snippy, you know how I can be when I get into those moods. Um, and not everyone wants to be around me. So I was like, I just, I, I really like Eric's Walkman and, and, and I want one for my birthday too, which my, his is in February, mine is in April. So all I was going to have to do was wait two months and I could have my Walkman. But my mom went to the store and she got me my Walkman exactly like Eric. It had the orange little cones and, you know, the perfect little eighties Walkman. Everybody's had that. Right. And all it did was play the radio. But I wore that thing out and then my birthday came and I didn't get anything because she's like, you already got your present. 
Because while my mom was loving, she was thrifty. And so it was, it was, it was just, but I remember that so vividly, like it happened just yesterday because I remember the joy that I was like, I got to walk, man, (laughs) you know, and it was, and and I played that thing to death. I love that. And that's so you, you still have your orange headphones on. I do. Now they're Bluetooth. So I can at least sync it to my phone and all is good. That's, and and this is a fact I just found out about you. Most of the day, you have music playing. Oh, yeah, all day. I, I, I can't, I, again, I cannot fathom being able to concentrate on anything with music playing continuously. Well, and it's so bad that even when I'm like in a staff meeting and someone says something, and if it reminds me, well, not if. It'll remind me of a song. Someone will say something and I'll think of the band, which will send me down a bunny trail. I get a song in my head. And then while everyone else is finishing the meeting, I've got, you know, you know, whatever it is that came into my head that moment. And no one else knows but me. And now you. Uh, but it's, and now it, me. it's 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 a it's a curse and a blessing. It's amazing. Um, so because you are so musically minded, tell me about your career in the radio industry. How long have you been doing it? Why is that your passion? What do you love about it? I mean, the short story now is being able to do what Roxanne and I get to do, which is to live life, right? To talk about our, you know, bumps and zits and warts and know that through that God has taught us something that hopefully we can dispense to others. But in the early days, again, musically, it was really just about being a DJ. And, you know, my voice was somewhere up here like this. And, you know, I didn't really have this big measure voice. And I, I, but I'm like, there's no way anyone's ever going to put me on the radio. And so when Birdman moved back to Birmingham to start the oldie station, I just kept bugging him. I'm like, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job. Cause at six, I remember, and you and I actually, this was one of our early um, connection points was when I used to listen to Brad Regal on the radio, like I was, and you worked with him on the theater side, like Mm -hmm. that was like the coolest job because people were calling in and they were, you know, Hey, we're partying over in Hoover and, you know, out and where, and I was like, man. I want to have that job. You play people's favorite songs. You give away t-shirts and concert tickets. And like, it just sounded like the most amazing job. And so to ever be given the opportunity to do it was already within itself a blessing. So I was just thankful to have that little weekend job. I could DJ and play songs and have fun. And people go, oh, I listen to you on the weekends. Like that was, that was fun. That was great. And then fast forward six years after, you know, doing oldies format, country format, you know, news talk, like whatever I could do to get the experience and make some money, but I wasn't doing it for the money. (laughs) Still not. Uh, But in that, getting an opportunity to get into Christian radio and not only the people that I met, but the opportunity, because as a kid, while yes, I grew up as, you know, a rock and roll bluesy, you know, Walkman kid that we, you know, we all grew up with all the normal stuff. I also had those contemporary Christian artists that were also shaping my faith. So while I didn't connect so much to what was happening on Sunday mornings, I could go home and I could put on Striper or Petra, or I could listen to, you know, something that was loud and obnoxious that everyone else would go, there's no way that's Christian. And there was no outlet for it. So the only way you got it was to go to the actual Christian bookstore, either Sometimes I would pick it up by album cover and go, that's a cool cover and take it home. And then you're like, yeah, this is rock. Woo! You know, love the Jesus, you know, but it sometimes, you know, I would just, Eric and I would go to the Christian bookstore and just listen to music on and on. And it's like, oh man, you like this, check this out, you know? And so we would decide, cause you know, we were, you know, poor little teenagers. We got our $7 a week allowance and he would buy a cassette or an album. I would buy a cassette or an album. And then when we get home, we'd listen to it and then swap. And so, you know, he, he liked more of the poppy, like Bon Jovi kind of bands. And I was more into the metal and the, you know, that was me. Um, but it was, but under, underlaced, if my mom came in and was like, turn that up, I go, mom, look, it's a Bible verse. They're singing about Jesus. And she would be like, whatever. And she would just turn it down, you know, and she would leave. And then that transposed into me wanting to play music. So 
to listen to something. Man, that would be a cool song to learn how to play. So they just, it all kind of married together for me. And, and I miss the DJ days, honestly. And I think a lot of my friends who were DJs at some point, we love telling those old stories. But at the same time, I love now just being a storyteller and being real and connecting with people. And, 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 and it, and it still is, you know, this, but I, and I don't think I say it enough. I love it as much today as I did the first time I was, you know, just working a little weekend show in an oldies format, not, not, not ever thinking I would be doing it 32 years later, but it's still a joy for me every day. I love that. And you talked about playing What what do you play? What instruments do you play? Ace well, McKay? I, I, I will say this. I am a drummer who can play piano and bass. And that's it. Like I am not a, I am not a piano player. I am not a bass player. I am a drummer that can also happen to play those instruments when necessary. So. And you're a really good drummer. Oh, thank you. I still, I still love that as much. I remember at 15 going to Nuncies again, another mutual contact, Gary, um, Mm. Which which I think every kid in Birmingham bought their first drum set from Gary at Nuncie's. But I remember going with yeah. my dad and like I was old enough to co-sign on a loan and I was paying like $50 a month for this little five piece Remo and set it up, <laughs> you know, set it up in my little, you've seen my old bedroom at mom's house, like I, that, that little room, I had just enough walkway to open the door to my room and open the door to my closet because there was a drum set and then a chair and then a bed and then my stereo. And so I had all the essentials in that little 11 by 11 cubicle, but you know, I would go in and mom only ever had one rule. Cause the first time I played drums and she didn't realize just how loud it was going to be. She's like, okay, you can't play before eight in the morning and you can't play after eight at night which is the same rules I have for Ryan. Like when he plays in the basement, I'm like, okay, eight and eight, you know, um, but it's for that same reason. Cause you know, it does, it travels down the street. And there was a guy that lived on the corner um, that long rock and roll red hair. And he was a bass player. And on Saturdays I would raise my window and he would raise his window and we would jam. Like he would play something. <laughs> And I, and I'm sure the echo was awful, but in my head, the way I remember Barry and I jamming in the street was that we were just rocking it. You know, it was the best. I'm sure you were. Um, all right. So let's, let's dive deeper. Shall we? All right. Um, all right. So I would like to know a defining moment in your spiritual life. Hmm. Um, there's two. Uh, one I didn't realize would be a defining moment until much later because I wasn't quite sure that it was God at the time. Uh, but when you hear from the Holy Spirit at the age of eight, you you think it's God. You want it to be God, and and everyone else is you know having callings and he- healings and you know. And I heard from God, and He told me this, and so I wanted to have that experience too. But I didn't know that it was God until I was like into my late forties. Uh, but the defining moment for me was, um, actually moving back to Birmingham after being raised Baptist, going the non-denom charismatic route. And then while trying to find my identity and my faith and what that looked like, what did my relationship with God look like? Because it didn't look like or feel like anybody else in my family, anyone else of my friends, like we all had, which I think is that like, we all can have similarity moments with God, but I think each relationship is just slightly different. Right. Um, so it was after I had been through two divorces, I was living back at my mom and dad's, um, not really making a bunch of money, uh, four States away from my daughters and absolutely hating it. I mean, just to be completely candid and real, because I did, I hated every moment of that. But it was a weekend that while at my parents, they were gone for the weekend. And I just cried out to God and said, if my relationship with you is real, I need you to show me where you've talked to me in my lifetime, because I feel like every time I think I've heard from you, I've twisted it. So that whatever action that I took, whether I made a good decision, a bad decision, whatever, 
I somehow justified it as, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm okay with it. Cause you know, God, God and I are talking and, and we were like, even when I was making awful decisions and, you know, having affairs and I mean, like I knew, I knew I was doing wrong. I, I knew that I was breaking away from God's will and his plan for my life, but I, I didn't care. I, I, I just didn't. And I thought, well, if nothing else, when I'm, when I'm done being rebellious, I know I can go back to him and he will take me and love me, which he did. Now there were consequences that came with that. I lost jobs along the way. I lost friends. It took a while for Bethany and I to get to a place where we could be in the same room and not, you know, want to kill each other. But it was in that moment, that weekend, that was a defining moment for me to realize that my faith and me and my own skin with God is that I'm who I am because of the things that he allowed me to go through so that I know what is his voice and what is my voice. So when I get an ambitious idea, I'm like, Ooh, I want to. And then I had, and there have been times that like four to the floor and I go and I try to make things happen. And God's like, slow down, wait. But I didn't, I thought, Hey, God gave me something. And I went with it. But now it is like a military mindset. It's a hurry up and wait. Like he gives me something, I'm like, ooh, I really want this. And and I'll kind of tinker and Google search and, you know, finagle some things just in case tomorrow is the day that he drops it in my lap. And sometimes it's months. Sometimes it's a collaboration with you or with someone else that I don't have to reinvent whatever opportunity is coming. He's made it clear that, again, if I have a peace moving in one direction and I have joy in that direction and the thing that I'm going to do doesn't steal that joy, you know, we joke around the house that we're on the joy train, you know, I don't want to be derailed from the joy train, but it was that weekend that he reminded me of when I was eight, that it was his voice as I was standing in the middle of this, you know, Baptist camp auditorium and he called me into music ministry. Now, in my mind, I thought I was going to be directing hymns in front of Baptist for the rest of my life. At eight, that didn't sound appetizing to me. But what I've loved now seeing hindsight, and this is what's awesome about God, and again, that defining moment is music ministry can be on the radio. Music ministry can be the relationships of the people you meet when you play in a church or in a band or you know a bar or whatever it is. There are moments that we are supposed to represent Christ and be the light and to know that that was his voice at eight gave me the confidence that everything moving forward from my late forties on, I could go back and remember, okay, yep, that was God. That was not, that was God. That was not. And now when I hear from him, I know the difference between his voice and mine. And it's interesting because I met you after that weekend. Um, so I got to see, I've only known you post like a very strong spiritual moment. Yeah. Um, but I think that part of your story is really important because there's so many of us who are believers in this day and age who are on, who have been through divorces, who are on our second or third marriages, who have had like massive failures. And I think that my question to you sort of as a, a way to to help encourage them would be, how did you know to move forward in this relationship? How did you know after the failures and after having that time of it being you and God and you were okay, like you didn't have to be pursuing something. How did you know that this was something that was right and that you were called to, to be in relationship again? Well, I mean, after, you know, quite some time of making a list of like, I would like for, you know, my future bride or relationships that I'm in to have a certain criteria. And that gave me something to meditate on because I knew that God wanted something grand for me. But even if he never allowed me to have that, it still kept it. It, it, it did one main thing, which is it kept me from dating the wrong kind of woman. So by the time you came into my life, I was in a place that I was like, it's me and God. I got a job. I've got music. I'm like, I'm good. Like, and even though, you know, I was still miles away from the girls as much as that still hurt. I knew that my calling for being on the air with Roxanne was a big reason why I came back. 
So I could see him doing the 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 roots of saying, okay, yes, you're going to be okay. This is all right. And again, because I knew his voice, I had definitively, if I met someone, I would say, Lord, is can I date her? And he would go, nope, she's a distraction. Or you can be friends with her because at some point you're going to need each other's friendship just for prayer. And so I knew he was telling me who not to date so that I didn't mess up friendships. I didn't go down paths that I shouldn't. And it was, again, me leaning into him. So by the time you came along, everyone that I had potentially even thought about dating, I had my out, right? I would come up with something about them that I'm like, yeah, well, if that gets too much, I'm out. And with you, the only thing I had with you was Charlie the cat who's right there behind you. That cat. <laughs> so clearly it wasn't enough of an out, but it really was God saying, you're okay. Like she, she's gonna, she's been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff, but you guys just have a good time and I'll take care of you. And so things just unraveled. And then the great thing is, and I, you know this, but I'll say this for our, those listening that haven't heard me say this, you exceeded the list. Like God knew what was on the list, but he knew also what I was going to need. And the one thing, and this is why you get to be the one to ask me these questions, you created a sanctuary that allowed me to be ugly, to be vulnerable, to get rid of all of my triggers. Or if I had a trigger go off, you would allow me to rant and then you would love me. You know, you, you, you didn't stop loving me. Whereas others in the past would, uh, there would be a trigger and then they would use it against me. And again, it's not their fault. They weren't the one it, I, God was lining me up for you, but I had to go through all of the things and all of the purging emotionally. And, and, and also when you pray for God to remove soul ties from people that you've been in relationship with, it changes your perspective. Like you can see so clear because your body or your soul or, you know, your memory is not pining to go back to a relationship that you thought might've been the one or man, it'd been great if that one would have worked out or this one would have been a little longer, but it, it was the clarity of knowing his voice and having a peace moving forward that being with you and helping you raise the kids. That's what he was preparing me for. Well, and I think that's a really interesting part of you um, that, you know, I, I don't know if you'll have to edit things for time, but I, I think it's a really important part of you and how you were raised and your family. But for instance, with your girls, right. Um, I met them when they were late teens, early twenties. I, um, I feel very confident in my role as their stepmother. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I am their stepmother. Like, I don't feel like I don't call them my children. I feel like that would be overstepping particularly because they are in such a strong relationship with Bethany. You guys are great co-parents, yeah. but from the get go, you have called my children, your children. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if you want to share some of the philosophy behind that and why, you choose to do that. Why you, and you embrace them as your children when we were dating. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious if you want to share some of that and how that came about for you. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, my mom remarried when I was six. So, you know, my stepdad technically is who raised me and has been there. My mom's, you know, been married to him ever since. And from day one, I, he called me son. Or actually, he called me Chief, which I thought was great. I was like, I have a dad with it. Gives me a nickname. This is wonderful. Um, and I think it was because not only with him, but with the entire side of his family that always just treated me like I was blood, like family's family. And so I think that's where that came from. Um, you know, loving Mia has never been a problem for me because... And loving Ryan's not been a problem either, but I haven't raised boys, right? Like I, even in my second marriage, like I, I, I had a little bit of a connection, but not a deep one. And I knew because you were my person that I wanted to have my connection with them, but I also didn't want to just come in 
because I knew what they had been through in losing their dad. I wasn't here to replace him. I was here to be ace to them and to you. And so, yeah, they're mine. And yes, I brag about them and, you know, and, and they're uber talented and, and, and while we're not the, you know, mushy gushy, I love you. Like I am with my daughters. We have ways that we say it to each other without saying it. And we've created kind of a code. Um, and I know, you know, I'm not saying anything that you don't already know, but I think it's important for any blended family to just, you know, embrace where you are and that God brought you together and just let him take you through because there will be a lot of first and things that you didn't expect or books you read that didn't prepare you for, you know, how to raise a son or a daughter or how to blend a family or how to go on to your third marriage. I mean, there's just not certain books. And if they do exist, there's still going to be something that's missed because the dynamic of us and the dynamic of them is different, you know? But the thing that also is great for me, and you see you see this at the holidays because we don't see it as much, but when the girls come down or when we've been able to go up, it's watching all of us together and, you know, it, it's family, right? And yeah. and even to, and even to have Bethany here for Thanksgiving and 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 to, for you guys to have that relationship, I'm not smart enough to orchestrate that kind of love and uh, grace and opportunity. That's a total God thing. So again, that's me pressing into God to go, Lord, you know that I, I'm. I, I it's it's too much to try to make it happen myself. I know I'm not that smart, so I need you to just intervene. And he clearly did. Yeah. yeah. No, you've, you've always been, been great. And and I do love the times where we're all together. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, what is your favorite? This is absolutely a leading question. Okay. I'm, a, I'm absolutely leading here. So don't, don't mess up. Okay. <laughs> um, make no guarantees. What's your favorite piece of, What's your favorite piece of advice to give someone, particularly as they are trying to make a decision? It's always, what does God say? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not well, it's two clear. parts. It's what does God say about it? And where's your peace? Yep. It's where's, yes. Because and I love that. Yeah. Because it's a reminder to me when I have to make hard decisions that what would I say to myself or say to someone else who is going through that? And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll have some proof, you know? Um, but I, I, it, it's after everything that I've been through to find my faith, to find my church, to find who I am in my relationship with God, it was a longer journey than I thought it would be, but to be comfortable in your skin and who you are with God is really the ultimate place to find joy, peace, to be happy. And even when things are falling apart and expenses are coming at you and, you know, maybe, you know, you're bummed out because you didn't get certain opportunities or things that you were hoping for, you're still where you're supposed to be. And God always takes you to something bigger. You know, I love to be able to sit back and just watch the door fly off the handle and go, Oh, because then when people go, how'd you get to do that? I go, God flung the door open and you know, the hinge broke and there was no putting it back on, you know? So the, it, it's always in decision-making, you know, where are you? What, what is God saying? And where's your peace? Because if your peace is robbed, then it's probably not God. Yeah. Well, I have to say, because I know your time is ticking down um, on our recording, not like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to come upstairs and hang out with you. So this, <laughs> um, but I just want to say for the record that, um, I, I know the things that you've experienced and I know the mistakes you've made and I know the growth that you've had from all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very, very, very proud of who you are Thank you. and I'm very proud to be your wife. I love you. I love you too. All right, there you go. If you don't know us any better than after this episode, it's out there now. We can't take it back. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Thank you for playing along and not being pre-screened with the questions mm-hmm. because I think 
you just go deeper that way. So how do you feel? Are you all right? I'm good. I mean, I, I, I've said it on the show in previous weeks. You know, my wife has been so amazing in providing that sanctuary. I know Wayne does the same for you when you know that you're with the person that loves the good, the bad and the ugly and wants to be with you anyway, you know, it's, it's amazing. So she's, she is truly the only person I would trust. Like, I, I just don't know anyone else that I could possibly give those uh, questions to which she came up with on her own. Again, no editing, no pre-vetted anything. Uh, so I appreciate her taking the time, but uh, make sure you like subscribe and follow. Thanks to my brother's cup and Birmingham mortgage group. We will see you next week as we get into the month of thankfulness again. Happy birthday, Roxanne. I love Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hopefully I'll have some stories about London and Paris to share. <laughs> You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.